Good morning. Good morning. I really like that song. Can you tell? <laughs> I really like that song because I love playing the bass on it. It's got some good words, you know, they're okay, but the, the bass line is the best part of that. I'm just kidding. It's, just, it's a really great song. Well, thank you. I thought I did a pretty good job playing the bass myself. If we're going to start bragging, let's start bragging right now, right? Giving God the glory for all of it. That's right. Special gift. Well, we're in Isaiah chapter 48. We're skipping because the last, <clears throat> the previous two chapters all lead up to the point I want to make this morning. God is building his case against the nation of Israel. And he's going he's gonna to come out and call them who they are. You know, you've heard... Uh, People used to say in the old days, the preacher really stepped on my toes. Well, God's about to step on the toes of the Israelites here. He's fixing to call them who they are. He's going to call them out. And the last chapters that lead up to this are setting the stage for it. And what it, the last two chapters were all about was, you've been worshiping these idols. You, you, you carve them out of wood, the same wood that you burn in the fire, and you worship these idols because everybody around you is doing that. And all the... All the heathen nations were worshiping their little idols, things they had carved, monuments and statues and so forth. And he's saying, you keep running to those idols over and over and over again. When I'm the living God, I created everything. I created the universe. And so he gets us to the point where he gets us to chapter 48. He says, listen to this, O house of Jacob, you who are called by the name Israel and come from the line of Judah, you who take oaths in the name of the Lord and invoke the God of Israel but not in truth or in righteousness. In other words, you've taken my name, but you've taken it in vain. You've taken my name, but you've taken it in vain. And we all know that's one of the commandments. We're not to take the Lord's name in vain. He says, you call on me, you make oaths in my name, yet you do not do it in truth or righteousness. You who call yourselves citizens of the holy city and rely on the God of Israel, the Lord Almighty is his name. I foretold the former things long ago. My mouth announced them and I made them known. And suddenly I acted and they came to pass for I knew how stubborn you were. Okay, he's starting to step on some toes now. The sinews of your neck were iron. In other words, you were stiff-necked. Your forehead was like bronze. In other words, you were a teenager. A 16-year-old. I'm sorry. I was 16 one time. Therefore, I told you these things long ago, before they happened, and I announced them to you, so that you cannot, could not say my idols did them. My wooden image and metal, uh, God ordained them here. So he's still saying, look, your idols, you can't say the idols did this. You've heard these things. Look at them all. Will you not admit them? Bless you. From now on, I will tell you of new things, of hidden things unknown to you. They were created now and not long ago. You have not heard of them before today. So you cannot say, yes, I knew of them. You have neither heard nor understood. From old, your ear has not been opened. Well, do I know how treacherous you are. You were called a rebel from birth. And here's where God's stepping on their toes. He's nailing it down. You were called a rebel from birth. For my own name's sake, I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you. So as not to cut you off. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. 
By the way, silver is refined at 1,763 degrees. Do you know that? That's when it turns to liquid. I've tested you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. God has called them rebels and this stubborn rebels. It's one of the harshest terms God uses for his children. I don't know if in parenting you've had a rebellious child or not. I don't know if you know somebody, a good friend who has a rebellious child. But you know how frustrating that is. You know how difficult it is to go through every day knowing that your child is rebellious. And we are in a, we have a generation now that is raised up where 40% of them don't have a father in their life. Not a father in their home, but they don't even have a father in their life. And they don't understand what a father's voice is. A father's voice calls them into life. A father's voice calls them into truth and righteousness. A father's voice calls them into right and wrong. I don't know about you, but I have a record that plays in my head from my dad when I got whoopings, right? And when my dad whooped me, I knew that that was right, that was wrong. He explained it to me. This is right, this is wrong. You're going to get a whooping for the wrong. And that record continued to play in my head. And so I grew up as an adult understanding right from wrong, or best I could understand. And I tried to do right most of the time, best I could. And when I did wrong, that record would start playing, Jim, that's wrong. You don't need to do that. And I kept playing the record. We've got an entire generation now that doesn't have a record playing in their head of what right and wrong is because no father called them into right and wrong to help them understand that. And the nation of Israel wound up with priests overseeing them, Levites and so forth overseeing them. They did not call them into right and wrong. They did not teach them. They did not have a record playing in their head from days of old. And God is saying through Isaiah here, he says, you were a rebel from birth. Now, I'm taking that birth to mean when they came out of Egypt. They didn't want to leave Egypt. Matter of fact, when they left Egypt and got out in the wilderness, they started complaining to the pastor, Moses, and to the worship leader, Aaron, about how, things, how bad things were going. And they complained, and they complained, and they belly ached, and they belly ached. And so Aaron finally gave in. The worship leader gave in, Wayne. And said, let's make it. Go ahead and build a calf. Bring all the gold. Pour it in here. And look what came out of the fire. And they worshiped it, right? And they griped and complained about the food that God provided, the manna, which is really Krispy Kreme donuts. We all know that. They complained about it because it didn't have double glazing on it, right? Right, Tommy? That's what it was. They complained about the quail God provided for them because it wasn't Chick-fil-A, you know, Sunday chicken, right? Thank you. Yes. A little slow this morning, but that's why we did that song twice. <laughs> There's a progression to rebellion. And the nation of Israel, you can see it there. You can see it, the progression of rebellion in a family, in a child, in an adult. You can see it in church life where church members become rebellious. I was disturbed this morning, heard a story of a church here recently that went through a rebellious time of Jezebel's spirit. That's a person in the church. Could be a man or a woman who rose up and thought they were all that and then some. Wound up splitting the church. Church wound up having to sell its property and, uh, and go their separate ways because of rebellious spirit. It, there's a progression to it. And here's the progression. The first thing is there's refusal. If you look in chapter uh, 48, 
in verse 4. It says, For I knew how stubborn you were. The first step toward rebellion is just refusing to listen to truth. Refusing to listen to somebody telling you the truth. Just re- I just refuse to. I just refuse to. Don't touch that iron. It'll burn your finger. Psst, and we touch it, right? Just refusal. The nation of Israel refused to listen to what God was telling them. They just refused to listen to his heart, his heart of love and mercy and tenderness. The second step is they resist. They start putting up resistance. It says, I can see that you have an iron neck. They stiffen their neck and said, you're not going to tell me what to do. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm 16. I can do what I want to. Right? You're not going to tell me what to do. There's this resistance. And they began putting up resistance to God and said, yeah, you gave us 10 laws, and, but I'm, just, I'm not going to go along with all 10 of them. I think I'm going to pick out the ones I want to go along with. And so we began picking out what we want to choose to, but we resist the rest of it. We resist the tenderness of God as he moves in our hearts. It's, it's his compassion and tenderness that moves us towards forgiveness. The third stage is just outright rejecting the truth, just rejecting the truth. Look what it says. It says, <clears throat> your forehead was bronze. That means I just reject it. In spite of the fact that the truth is the truth, I'm rejecting it. Have you ever argued with a preschooler or a teenager? Or maybe your parents, teenagers? Teenager, you ever argue with your parents? In the face of truth, and they'd rather believe a lie than believe the truth, you put it right out there in front of them and say, If you do this, this is the consequence. This is what's going to happen to you in your life. And in spite of the truth being the truth in front of them. And we're living with a a country right now where the truth is plainly in front of them, but they absolutely refuse to believe it. I just reject it. I'm not going to go along with that truth. I'm not going to believe that truth. I'm not going to believe that killing a baby in the womb is the same thing as killing a baby a minute old. beautiful picture that went around Facebook a couple weeks ago I shared it it has a baby in the womb with his arms stretched overhead like this and then it has a baby right beside it with his arms stretched overhead like this and says same person different location and yet we continue to slaughter a million a year in the land of the free and the home of the brave when the truth is plainly in front of us. A baby is a baby is a baby is a baby is a human is a human is a human is a human from conception. We refuse, we resist, we reject. And then the next stage is we start to rebuke. We start to rebuke those in leadership. We start to rebuke God to his face in Isaiah 45, 9. It says... Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? What are you, what are you making? Who do you think you are? We begin to rebuke our maker. We begin to rebuke authority. Who does that president think he is? Whether it's Obama or Trump. Who does he think he is? We begin to rebuke policemen. Who do they think they are pulling me? I was only going 10 miles over the speed limit. Who do they think they are? Matter of fact, we have disre- total disregard for policemen. We shoot them while they're sitting in their car. Just bam. My brother-in-law served 
as a policeman for 17 years, and he called his car Coffin on Wheels. Coffin on Wheels. Because of how dangerous it was to stay in the car. We have a society now that rebukes all authority. It happens in churches. It happens in government. It happens in school systems. We have a rebellious people. Teenagers and children can get away with anything in school. There's no repercussion for them. You did not want to go see Mr. Guyton Carr when I was in elementary school. You did not want to go see Mr. Guyton Carr. He was the principal of Winship Elementary School in Macon, Georgia, where I grew up. Because when you went to Mr. Carr's office, you know it was on the front of his desk? First thing you saw when you walked in was not his typewriter, not his books, not, not, you know, not his trophies and his plaques on the wall. What did you see? And it had holes in it. I never understood the holes until I felt them. I thought maybe it made it lighter to swing. Oh, no, 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 no. That's where the whelps come from. I visited Master Guyton Carr's office twice, both for fighting. I didn't start the fights. I finished them. <coughs> Mr. Guyton Carr picked up his paddle, and he said, you, go, you boys going to fight again? No, sir. No, sir. That's what you said to a principal back in the day. It ended it right then. Nowadays, if a principal even thinks about spanking you, you can sue him or her and get away with it and win. And then the fifth stage, of course, is out-and-out -out rebellion. Usurping the authority and recruiting others to usurp the authority with you. Refusing, resisting, rejecting, rebuking, and then out-and-out -out rebellion. That's the bad news. What's the good news? I love this. I love this about God. Uh, chapter 48. <clears throat> he says, uh, verse 9, For my own name's sake, I delay my wrath. It's God's kindness that leads us to what? Repentance. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. I delay my wrath for my own name's sake. In other words, I, I don't want to kill all the Christians who are being rebellious because they carry the name Christian. I, I really do love Christians. I, I want them to change. I want them to be more like Jesus. I really do. Because if I just kill all the Christians who are not acting like Christians, what testimony is that? The better testimony is those Christians who aren't acting like Christians start acting like Christians. That's a better testimony for the world and a better testimony for the cause of Christ. Right? We're no longer called hypocrites because we live the word, we are the word, we breathe the word, we teach the word, we act on the word, we become like Jesus. God says, for my own namesake, I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you so as not to cut you off. For the sake of his praise, he wants his praise, as Pastor Wayne said earlier, to be made known. And so he says, I just don't want to kill off all the Christians because I really want them to change so they'll sing praises to me and speak praises to me and the praise will resound. See, verse 10, 
I have refined you, though not as silver. God does not turn the heat up all the way till we're, we're melting. I've refined you, but I've not refined you with the heat of silver. However, look what it says. I have refined you in the furnace of affliction. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Now, the New Testament word for this is discipline. God disciplines his children. If you don't discipline your children, they're going to grow up and, well, they're going to go crazy. Right? If you don't play a record in their head that says this is right, this is wrong, when they get to be adults, they're going to know what right and wrong is, and they're just going to go out and do whatever they want to. Whatever they want to, whenever they want to, to whomever they want to. But God says, I want to, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. So it's not as hot as God can make it. It's not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace. It's not the worst calamity that can come into your life, but it is discipline that comes into your life. It's affliction that comes into your life. And God says, I'm putting this on you because I want you to repent. I could kill you. I could put you in the fire and completely cremate you. But I'd rather not do that. I'd rather you repent of your rebellious spirit. That's what he's saying. That's my father saying, I'd rather you repent. What parent would say, well, I'd just rather go ahead and kill my child instead of hoping they'll repent. What parent would do that? What parent would do that? Not, not a good parent. And God's good all the time. And so God says, I really want you to repent, so I'm going to put a little affliction on you. New Testament calls it discipline. I'm going to bring some discipline into your life. Hoping you'll change. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? For I will not yield my glory to another. In Psalm 81, it says, In their own stubborn uh, and evil heart, they went backwards, not forward. But my people would not listen to me. They would not submit so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. It also says, it, says that in Romans chapter 1, verse 28. You see, here's the good news. Here's the good news in all this. In spite of our stubbornness, in spite of our not paying attention to what God wants for our lives and rebelling, he says God is unwilling to leave us in an unrefined state. God is unwilling to leave us in an unrefined state. I'm going to refine you in the furnace of affliction. Now, that sounds harsh on one level, but that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. That God says, I can kill you or I can refine you. Which one are you going to choose? I can kill you or I can refine you. I really want to refine you because you ain't acting like Jesus right now. God is unwilling to leave us unrefined. Why? Because there's a promise in the Bible that one day when we see him, we will be what? Like him. One day we'll see him and we'll be like him. God is refining us so that when we see Jesus, we will be like Jesus. And Jesus will go, oh, I recognize you. Come on in. I just think that's beautiful that God is unwilling to leave me in an unrefined state. 
in an undisciplined state, in an unchallenged state, to be more like Jesus. God says in his word, I will not yield my glory to another. How can I let myself be defamed? Verse 17, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you. Wow. Who directs you in the way you should go. Look at this as God saying, look, I'm teaching what's best for you. Don't eat this, eat this. Don't do that, do this. Don't drink that, drink this. Right? I'm teaching what's best for you as he would teach a child. Who directs you in the way you should go. Don't go this way, go this way. This is a narrow road, this is a wide road. Choose the narrow road. Who directs you in the way you should go. If only, if only you had paid attention to my commands. Look at this. This is what God's promised us. Then your peace would have been like a river. When peace like a river attendeth my way, the hymn, it is well, right? When peace like a river. If only you had paid attention to my commands. Your peace would have been like a river. Your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Waves of righteousness just sweeping over you. God said, Israel, if you had just listened a little bit, you'd have had peace like a river. You wouldn't have had this affliction in your life. If you just listened just a little bit, if only you'd paid attention to my my commands, and righteousness would have come upon you as waves of the sea. Your descendants would have been like the sand, your children like its numberless grains. Their name would never be cut off nor destroyed from before me. Leave Babylon. Flee the Babylonians. Announce this with shouts of joy and proclaim it. Send it out to the ends of the earth and say, The Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made waters flow for them from a rock. He split the rock and waters gushed out. In other words... God always provides. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. So the takeaway this morning is, if you are in the furnace, that's a good place to be. But you can get out just by being obedient to God's word. If you're in the furnace of affliction, that's a good place to be. God's refining you. If you want to get out, just be obedient to the word that he's spoken. It's real simple. Stay in, get out. Stay in, get out. You've got the key to get out. It's in your hands, the Word of God. So as we read the Word of God, as we meditate upon the Word of God, as we believe the Word of God, as we act on the Word of God, that refining process takes place and we're able to leave the furnace of affliction and get about the business of having peace like a river and waves of righteousness sweep over and over us. Remember, they did not thirst in the desert. God made a way. He'll make a way for you. He'll make a way for me. Out of the furnace of affliction, if we just obey him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you're not willing to leave us in an unrefined state. I thank you, Father, that you're not willing to leave me in an unrefined state. Father, help us not just to carry your name. But to, but to be your name wherever we go, whatever we do. Help people to see Jesus in us, in our actions, in our attitudes, at school, at work, at play, 
Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, Father. Help us to present Jesus to a world that's hungry, thirsty, dying in their sin. God, you are holy. And we say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. For it's in your name we pray, the great name of Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, Jehovah Nisi, the God whose banner is over us, Jehovah Uzi, the God who is our strength, Jehovah Shalom, the God who is our peace, Jehovah Roy, the God who is our light, Jehovah Sidkenu, the God who is our righteousness. We pray in the strong name. God, we repent of our rebellious ways and ask that you will restore us. Restore us and heal us and change us and transform us. And we say thank you, thank you, thank you for not leaving us in this state, but for drawing us closer and closer to the image of Jesus. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.